Welcome to the Air Combat Simulation Podcast, brought to you by BVR Productions. Together with content creators, mission builders, experts, and enthusiasts, we explore the comprehensive world of combat aircraft simulation. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Air Combat Sim Podcast. This uh, episode we're going to be talking to Heepler and TrueGrit. They had some exciting news announced about a month and a half ago now uh, with the uh, Eurofighter being developed in conjunction with, between the two uh, companies. So we're going to talk about that and uh, whatever else comes up. And today with me co-hosting is Tricker. How you doing, Tricker? What's up, guys? Doing good. Good, good. What have you been up to? Anything Anything fun? Just been flying a lot, man. Got home yesterday. Nice. Awesome. We got uh, we got Rob. How you doing, Rob? Good. Good. Anything new exciting in your part of the town? Nothing new here in Texas. No more power outages. Uh, but uh, we, just from uh, on the uh, BVR front, we've been working on the Merge podcast, and getting that rolled out, and then working on some other good stuff. Yeah, I've been editing those videos for YouTube for the merge, and I'm hooked for episode six. I have five in my hands. I'm going to listen to it before everybody else, so lucky me. But that is, that's been a great uh, series for sure, and if you guys haven't checked it out, I would highly recommend it. Uh, and then from, I actually don't know who's from who for the most part as far as teams go, but we have Nick uh, from Heatbler. How you doing, Nick? I'm doing well, thanks. Awesome. And I think you have, you have um, Iron Mike with you as well, correct? That's correct. That's right. How is everybody doing? Hi. Doing well. Hey. Good to have you guys. And then is everybody else from TrueGrit, I'm guessing? That's correct. So we have yeah. uh, we have Tits from TrueGrit. How you doing, Tits? Hey, good. Hi, guys. Not going to lie. That was fun to say. And then we have Giro. How you doing, Giro? I'm doing great. Thank you for having us on the channel here. Absolutely, man. Thank you guys for coming. I, I, I appreciate uh, you guys setting the time aside to do this, so... And then we have the the Fragger. How you doing, Fragger? I'm fine, thank you. Can I omit the the in front of that? Just say, call you Fragger, is that all right? That's okay. Okay, cool. Rolls off the tongue a little easier. And I guess I guess we should ask what what you guys um what your roles are specifically with with uh what you guys are doing. So if, if Tits, if you could tell us what your role is uh on the team. Sure. Well, um I'm Pretty much uh, Geros uh, number two in uh, TrueGrid, and um, my role is uh, most uh, most of the time uh, the uh, getting the uh, Eurofighter experience. I do have like a, a thousand uh, real flying hours and sixteen hundred total um, to the development crews and so on. And I'm of course later on the chief test pilot, so everything has to go through me. Awesome. That's awesome. Wow, that's a lot of hours. I didn't realize you guys had somebody who was that seasoned. That's awesome. So everything everything goes through tits. Everything goes through tits. <laughs> that's good. Uh, and then we have Giro. What what uh what's your your role or job with uh, TrueGrit? Yeah, I'm CEO of TrueGrit. Okay. So I founded the whole idea of TrueGrit. Awesome. Found that awesome name of the company and. Uh, uh, like uh, Tits said, um, I'm also a former uh, Eurofighter pilot, 15 years instructor pilot on that, uh, before the 10 years of Phantom time, uh, F4 Phantom. Yeah, so that is my role. Awesome. I like it. 
And then Fragger. Who'd, who'd, oh, go ahead. I was gonna say. I was gonna say. Who'd you fly with? Like what country? Uh, Germany. Uh, I figured, but just wanted to make sure. Yep. That's is right. most your is most your team from Germany? Uh, at least the team you have here right now. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And then Fragger, how about you? What what's your role at True Grit? Um, <laughs> I'm a two D three D guy here at True True Grit, and um, I was modeling the Eurofighter cockpit. And probably most of you know that I'm the guy with the War 105. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for showing up for this. This is a, a pleasure. I guess we just start with uh, how the whole partnership came to be. How did how did you guys end up starting to work together? Did one of you reach out to the other? Or how'd that all come to come to pass? Well, maybe I can uh, tell you that from the start off, um, I, from True Grit's mm -hmm. perspective, uh, we started off as just True Grit doing this, obviously. Um, so after a while, um, I, at least on my side, uh, figured over the, I mean, we were a very small startup on this, right? I mean, we are, we are uh, it's our first project uh, we started on DCS developing. Uh, so after a while, uh, it became pretty clear how complex that really is, uh, getting in these details uh, and what kind of, let's see, uh, let's say like team uh, proficiency you need, really need uh, to do this uh, to the perfection we announced and that we are really also uh, shooting for. Uh, so and uh, at some point um, I decided on like, or at least I calculated that the team really needs to grow uh, massively uh, to reach a timeline that is acceptable for everybody, for us and the community. Uh, so that would have meant uh, increasing the team at True Grit massively, um, or join forces and look for professionals that are around uh, since many years. And uh, so obviously I just uh, contacted the best of the best, which is Heater with Nick and uh, found him, talked to him and I think uh, that was the beginning of a wonderful affair. That's awesome. Um, how how long have you guys been working together? Has it just been recent since the announcement? Or have you guys decided you guys were going to work together months and months ago and kind of been hush-hush about it? Yeah, it's a bit more like the, the letter. Uh, so we, we did this, uh, the setup of this idea, obviously. Uh, for quite some time um, that was unfortunate and I need to apologize a bit on that for on the community also that why uh, at least we on true good side went uh, a bit silent uh, for a much too long time to be honest uh, because that process uh, took a bit longer obviously the whole COVID thing and so on that didn't help also uh, but uh, yeah we did this in the background for quite some time and finally then uh, announced it so but yeah so setting up the the arrangements um, together Nick with me uh, mainly uh, that took some time and that was the time spent how long have you guys been working on the Eurofighter from the start you mean at true grit yeah 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 so we did this for like what is it uh, yeah well if you start counting the uh, really having the idea setting up the company and uh, starting the research and, and all that that process is maybe something like two years uh, really starting coding and so on, uh, really getting into, into into more details, like a year or so. And then we had the process of, you know, starting to interact with uh, Hitler a bit more. So, yeah, that's about the uh, the timeline there. 
So what was like, uh, what was like the inspiration? Like what was, what made you want to build a Eurofighter for DCS? Well, it's kind of easy because I'm like in, like I said, a 15 year long uh, instructor pilot on the Eurofighter. And uh, if you look at what's currently around, that's not really, you know, much to talk about. <laughs> if you if you take it uh, from a point where where you look at what DCS can deliver as uh, as a simulation uh, platform, and um, yeah, so that I think that was something really missing in the community. And again, myself being uh, a pilot on that, I was like, well, maybe we should really do this and go for it. And after having a talk with uh, Eagle Dynamics with Nick Gray, Simon Pearson, uh, it became pretty clear that they were also really happy about this idea, obviously. And uh, yeah, so we we started to do this. Would you think about an F4 since you flew F4s before too? I am personally always thinking about an F4. <laughs> <laughs> Just had to put it out there. Yeah, sure. Makes perfectly sense. Were you a DCS uh, pilot bef uh, before you came up with the company and decided to do this? Or was this more of a business initiative? No, I mean, I'm really, uh, next to my uh, military career, if you like, I mean, I've been uh, for 30 years in, with the uh, German Luftwaffe. Mm -hmm. uh, in parallel to that, I was also really a, a nerd on the uh, flight sim community idea. Gotcha. So I really started uh, building a, a very benign, but at this time I was proud of my first pit. You know, I built this out of wood, basically, and that was, was based on Falcon 4. Uh, and uh, so the F-16 version, right? Uh, and uh, later on then uh, switched a little bit also to the fucking uh, BMS side. So, I mean, and I, I really started off with like a C-64, the Commodore and, you know, Amiga. And so I had a really yep. long career on this. And so that is not nothing new to me. And uh, as DCS came out, as the DCS version, uh, I started doing that also, for sure. Yeah, gotcha. not as a uh, business thing, but you know, just privately also. Is um, what what does the partnership bring to the table that you need? Is it just people? Is it is it expertise? Is it what are you, what were you, what exactly were you looking for when you decided to venture that route with partnership with uh, Heepler? All of that, what you just said. I mean, obviously, it is the uh, the expertise is so massively ahead of what we could, you know, do in the in this little time, obviously, and the perfection of what Hitler did in the past and is still doing. Uh, that is something. I mean, yeah, obviously, that is you know boosting all our efforts. Besides just having the bigger team in the background, obviously, doing that uh, the whole coding stuff. Uh, so it is is pretty much all of above. Gotcha. I mean, Hitler's just okay. Yeah. <laughs> Let's put it this way. There, there we go. Yeah. Yeah. Nick. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Do you do you guys uh, hope hope for co more collabs in the future with? Um, I mean, I don't know what your partnership is, but other companies or is Heepler even looking for more collabs in the future? Uh, maybe the other direction there. Well, at least at this time, Nick should say something to this. Yeah. Uh, we're always looking for, for partnerships, I think, especially those that kind of synergize with, with our thoughts of what, you know, quality flight simming should be. So uh, I don't think we ever close the door on anything. And I mean, we've had discussions in the past and we're having discussions now about various things and uh, some of them do work out, some of them don't. Uh, but I think, I mean, our ultimate goal is always to just make really, really good products. And if we can partner with people who 
make that happen, like True Grit here, for the Eurofighter, then, then we'll happily do it. I mean, uh, there's, I find great joy in, in working with, with uh, interesting and, and cool people across the globe. So uh, that's absolutely uh, very high on our priority list, I think. That's cool. We did a podcast, I think two podcasts back now, maybe three, or with some custom uh, mod makers, not so much um, you know, the paid ones, but the free ones. And, uh, there's a lot, there's, I, I realize there's a lot of talent out there. So, um, yeah, that's, that's cool to hear that, you know, you guys would be open to that kind of stuff too in the future if, if, if they were open to it as well. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, I mean, uh, I've, I have, uh, I have a member of the A4 team, uh, who is now part of Heepler and, uh, he's just downstairs in my house here. We're having a Heepler team get together right now. So that's, that's oh, one nice. example of, of how we kind of, uh, work with people in the community and kind of, uh, kind of do that as well. It's great. Uh, we love it. Even the Viggen awesome. came into being a bit like that, right? I mean, yeah, actually the Viggen was, uh, was a community squadron project who, who kind of, uh, then uh, got merged into our team, and, and that's kind of how we brought that uh, project into Harbor, so to speak. So uh, it's, it's definitely a great way to build products. Uh, it, ha it has some negatives, of course, in terms of, uh, you know, you're working with people that you might not have experience with before and so on, but uh, usually it unlocks more doors than it actually closes, which, uh, which is very cool. And the Eurofighter, I think, is a great example of that because Heepler, uh, I guess for all of our talents and great engineering staff, we would have absolutely no chance to build a Eurofighter if it wasn't for uh, the great people at TrueGrit. So uh, it's really, the coming together of two teams like this is, is something that makes the project very, very viable. And, um, and that's very cool, I think, for the community as well because, uh, I mean, we all kind of uh, benefit from it at the end in terms of uh, content and cool modules and, and aircraft that we can actually enjoy and, and simulate and, and experience uh, uh, from a uh, simulation perspective. So absolutely. That's awesome. And, and I think part of the appeal there also is that two of the people on the team are also pilots. <laughs> that, that's got to help a lot. Yeah, absolutely. It, it kind of came out of left field. Yeah, like, I wasn't expecting a Eurofighter. I thought it would have been too difficult to like get unclassified, I guess, material to build the Eurofighter. Like, how hard was that to like navigate around? You're totally right. I mean, and that is still a process. One must be honest uh, on this. Uh, we uh, decided very early on to um, uh, to go to Eurofighter company. Uh, and also to the NETMA, uh, who is like the military arm of you know selling the aircraft, um, to incorporate them into the idea and uh, bringing them into the team, let's say at least uh, in the perspective that we get uh, a license from Eurofighter that we can uh, use of the name, and you know don't have any you know like uh, legal uh, problems uh, on that end. Uh, right. From the classification issue, that is something that the uh, the NETMA needs to um, that we still are in progress of doing. Um, and that also kind of, you know, could mean that there is some certain aspects of it that can't be, you know, shown or need to be adjusted or something. But I think that is something I, we've been very open about. Uh, I think uh, everybody understands in the community uh, if you're really into, you know, this kind of, if you want to, if you want to hit like with DCS, this kind of perfection on such a module. Uh, that there is, if it is so modern uh, and advanced on, you know, in the timeline that is still so active, uh, that obviously not all of the capabilities probably can be shown. I mean, that is, I think, for sure. 
and that there will be compromises and uh, we hope that we can you know do this uh, to the highest level we can and, and but it can means also being allowed to and we're working on this uh, to get them into uh, our development uh, process so early on uh, that it's not like a big surprise at the end you know where they you know pull the plug and it can't be done like you know so that would be completely stupid so that's why we do this uh, this way currently and yeah. up to now it works you know so we will see how that progresses it makes sense is will there be a point you think i mean relatively soon obviously moving goalposts happen and uh, you don't know how long certain things are going to take so not trying to hold you to anything but early on in the development and especially with the community that is so rabid about wanting to get this thing in their hands in the first place and see what is available do you think you'll be able to release at least a statement as far as here's what we can do and here's what we can't do based on the, this classified data yeah i no so i think i think we'll be we'll be quite honest and forthcoming about all kinds of things like that because i think something that we pride ourselves on is making sure that we're always informing everybody um, about our products and kind of how realistic they are. Uh, and if we have to make compromises or something, we're not, we're not going to hide that and kind of be, be coy about it uh, because it doesn't make any sense and, it, and it's unfair to everybody, right? However, uh, obviously that's, that's, that's kind of like a broad statement and, and we might not put out a statement saying, you know, this is wrong or this is wrong. It's more... I think it's more of like an organic situation in a certain sense, right? It's, it's, it's quite difficult to sometimes quantify how, how different, I guess, it is. Um, that said, I mean, again, like Gara said, I mean, our, our top priority is to get as close as we possibly can, um, truly. And, and I think that's a hallmark of our modules and aircraft in general. Uh, and um, I don't think we would have undertaken this partnership and this aircraft in general if we didn't feel that we... Uh, we had a good chance of getting there uh, to a reasonable level. Uh, but absolutely, we'll, we'll try to be as honest and forthcoming as we can about, you know, what is possible and what isn't because um, <laughs> the environment is the way it is. Uh, we are making exact replicas, hopefully, of the real thing, and that comes with, uh, with a lot of baggage. So, um, so it's, it's definitely a, a fluid and organic kind of situation. Uh, and, of course, I mean, once we do release, we'll have the feature list there and all these kinds of things that... You know, hopefully solidify for everybody what we're actually uh, what we've actually built and what we're actually asking everybody to to buy and enjoy, right? So uh, hopefully we'll be as transparent as as ever uh, on this uh, on this point. It's also always about to have it reasonable, right? And then you know, customers or uh, the pilots, the sim pilots, sometimes hit a system and then they go like digging into what's available, what's publicly available. They try to verify, is it correct like that? And that's also something where we'll stand on the same foot we've been standing all those years along, is that we're absolutely 100% honest. If somebody asks us, hey, you guys, how did you do that? Was it done either by SME feedback? Do you have some sources you can back it up from? Or if it is something that is approaching reality, something, what is the reasoning behind it and how did you make the decision to get there. And I think if you're transparent in these things and it's clear to the customer how did they get there, then I think it's not a problem if, uh, for example, you hit a system that is uh, maybe not 100% on that thing in an aircraft like, uh, like the Eurofighter. But uh, on the other hand, of course, you know, the goal is always to get to the realism first as much as you can.
So can we talk about like what what version of the Eurofighter are we getting, and like what are the differences? Yeah, because we had so many discussions about this. I mean, obviously, <laughs> I mean, uh, and that question is totally you know valid. Um, the thing is that the if you say if you even say it's the Eurofighter uh, that we're doing uh, by by just saying the Eurofighter, it is already something something's not right because there are so many versions of the Eurofighter currently mm -hmm. in service across all these nations. Because the whole concept of the Eurofighter is that, and it's like the typhoon, right, in, in, in British English, um, the, uh, the concept of it is that every of these nations, also the export nations, came, which came on later uh, in the program, that they can customize uh, the whole aircraft uh, to their specific needs. And they can choose uh, of a variety of uh, available weapon systems. Uh, and also on you know radar types and and whatever it's like it's like uh, not like a Tesla but maybe like a Mercedes where you can you know, choose between like 800 yeah. possibilities and and configure your car basically so uh, and so that is the first thing where you go like okay so you have like a German flying that version and he has a certain expectation of what is in there and then you have a Brit and he says it's completely not my jet here. Uh, so it's not only the delivery that makes a difference, obviously, you know, it's, it's all the systems and the available weapons and so on. So uh, obviously being the German in the German Luftwaffe here, we decided on, you know, starting with the German Luftwaffe version first, because that is, you know, the closest I am to it. And so it's like from a personal perspective, mm -hmm. um, but it, uh, it is also something from the realizability, you know, from getting the data and stuff, which is kind of like the process we described earlier. Uh, where you can get get to first on the systems and have the correct companies and so on. So that is the first version will be like the German one uh, more closely. Uh, and if you go then more into the details, I mean, the, the pros, I mean, there are some obviously uh, active Eurofighter pilots uh, who will then have the module on the PC and, you know, start simming it. Mm. Um, they would know all the details of all the very different subsystem systems and so on. Uh, and that is, again, something uh, where we have to check what can be released. And then it is something where we can enough can get that enough data that can be recreated perfectly enough. So what I'm saying is like we start off with this German version and which will be an RTL version initially. So to have really a good RTL platform initially. Then we are probably then progressing to the air-to-surface capability, and then and advance to the to the all the other different uh, weapons that can be you know shown and can be included, mm -hmm. and then you as the community guy you can then later choose and configure your aircraft like you would, uh, and like you know maybe that is then like the Saudi Arabia version <laughs> or it is the Italian one or whatever you know so you can you know, configure that one later on. Okay. Which one do you think is the best, in your opinion? The German one? Uh, nope. <laughs> no? <laughs> no, the problem is, uh, if, you, if you're saying the best, then you would say, like, which has the uh, most modern system available in the, you know. And, uh, well, currently, if you're looking currently at the market, I would say it's like the Saudi Arabia version, because they are so rich, they just, you know, included everything they could. Okay. And uh, also the initially rich German country, you know, decided on having one version. Uh, and yeah, but it is, it is kind of, you know, limited in the capabilities in the weapon mix that Germany decided on. And the Saudis, you know, the, the, the 150% version. <laughs> yeah, so, but again, I mean, that is, 
you can do this as the community guy later on and say, okay, I want to put this weapon on. If that is really, you know, down down the road, then you know. Yeah. I hope I, I did the, uh, say this right, Nick. Yes, absolutely. That uh, <laughs> I think that summarizes summarizes it work very well. Now, I just wanted to say it's also, you know, from from the heat blur perspective, it's not a new approach really because the F-14 also is an aircraft that is basically dominated by being a patchwork aircraft, right? You will find features of an A version in a D, you will find features of a B version in a late A and so on and so forth. And the community, of course, likes guidelines like talking in block 59 or 95 or block 135 or things like that. But when you talk to maintainers or pilots, they don't go by these things, right? They don't classify the aircraft necessarily in blocks. And uh, of course, some aircraft are more clear cut in these things, but we're already used to basically dealing with aircraft where you have to research a certain system also outside of that frame or you find that certain airframes had systems from different uh, time spans and so on and so forth. So it's not something really new to us in terms of uh, development as well. Okay. And then I was going to ask uh, Fragger, since he's the 2D, 3D modeler, about the, the panel. Like, is it like, how'd you, how'd, it, how'd you make the panel for the Eurofighter, basically? Is it like a 3D scan or...? No, no, it's uh, all made by eye. Yeah, but I think uh, when I look at the cockpit now, uh, everything fits. It was a huge way to go, but finally it fits everything. Yeah, even when you close the canopy, everything fits. Every hook, every pin, everything. Have you done any other previous work that we know about, or is this like your first project? <laughs> okay, as you may know, one hundred five, and. Um, yeah, for TCS 105, yes. Yeah, and I think what Fragger means essentially is that very often you'll find if you're modeling a complex project like like an aircraft, which has a very, very detailed cockpit uh, and exterior artwork mm -hmm. and all these kinds of things, is uh, if you've done something wrong, when you put everything together at the end, uh, something might not fit. <laughs> and uh, yes, if it does right. fit, it means you've... Uh, you've um, Either you've made the same mistake across many different places, <laughs> but more likely you've gotten it right. <laughs> uh, because the former would be like, I don't know, the holes in the cheese all lining up or something. <laughs> it doesn't really happen, right? So, uh, But the exterior is based on uh, photogrammetry, which is, which is nice. So we do have uh, some ground truth, I guess you could call it, in terms of uh, accuracy. And then, then obviously the Eurofighter is not the kind of jet you know, like the F-14, where you can, you know, drive around six different museums and, and uh, you know, scan each one and <laughs> compare the differences and uh, get it right, down to right. each millimeter. But, uh, you know, we all, Fragger does, and, and we at Heepler, we, we take that very seriously, especially in the age of VR. You need to get the artwork right. Uh, it's, it's, yeah. it's functionality beyond just looking pretty, right? So... Um, if, if something's off, you're not really experiencing what a real pilot would, and it can be as simple as the canopy frame being too thick, and that means that you're not really having the same SA as a real pilot would, uh, you know, to, to just a screw being misplaced, which is just an annoyance, especially for us who've created it. <laughs> and then we can't enjoy the product, so, so we try to avoid those things as well. <laughs> and, and if there's anything that the DCS community is going to notify you of is that screw. Yes. They're gonna let you know right away. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. It's which is a good thing. Which is a good thing. We we like it. We like it that way. Yeah. And it's a it's a nice feeling for us too when you jump in an aircraft and uh, 
you kind of know, especially in VR, you kind of know that it's accurate, right? It's, um, you know, I've had VR experiences where, where you know, you kind of feel like, well, <laughs> this is probably not how this is dimensioned in real life. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's a feeling I try to avoid with our products, definitely, because uh, just as an enthusiast of the, of the thing, I mean, sure, you can go to a museum and sit in a Tomcat or, or Eurofighter or whatever, but uh, you can't do it for a 10-hour stretch uh, like you can at your desk. So uh, making sure you get it right is, uh, is uh, pretty high on the priority list as well, actually. By eye, that's going to be pretty uh, challenging, though. A lot of man hours, I would imagine. Yes, yes, like laying a puzzle in 3D a little bit. <laughs> no, in good hands, though. I... Oh, it's in good hands, Alex is saying. Okay, <laughs> yeah. which is his way of patting ourselves on the back, I think. I'm patting Nick. I don't know anything about modeling or 3D stuff or texturing or anything, but these guys they do, they do a great job with that. The, the I believe from um, listening to a fighter pilot podcast on the Eurofighter, the Eurofighter has a, a voice system. Is that right? It is. Yeah. So uh, it's a direct voice input DVI, it is called. Uh, so that was one of the uh, very modern features as the Eurofighter was released in like 2003, four-ish when I started flying it. If you would like to compare it to like your iPhone Siri or something, you know, that is basically the idea without releasing too much uh, of a secret there. But this is like kind of, it has been a, a, a rocky process in the real aircraft, let's say of uh, getting that files uh, down into the aircraft that they that it really understands you so it's not like an easy process like it is on the iphone nowadays uh, so it, it's a bit more complex and uh, so we are also in discussion uh, if we introduce it i mean it should because in the very early versions it was in there anyways and then we could have that discussion about like how realistic is it to build this aircraft? I mean, how realistic will the aircraft be finally on DCS? Because could that mean that the system doesn't work? <laughs> yes. <laughs> is, that, is that realistic? Is it something the community wants? If like, you know, to 50% it didn't work in the beginning or something, right? So uh, that is also a nice discussion to have. And uh, yeah, but yeah, the short version is there is DVI in the aircraft. And, you know, so it's a nice feature probably. That'll be interesting. Yeah, you can you can say anything, right? I mean, you just because it's your voice file, and that is also some process uh, uh, that was really funny. I mean, because you're you're sitting on a chair in front of a PC, have your headset up, and uh, then you uh, train the voice commands. But but later on, I mean, you're doing air combat with like nine Gs and a pressure breathing mask, and so. So that is a completely different voice you're having there. Yeah? So for a system that is not so tolerant on this. Uh, you can understand probably that, you know, not everything was understandable. So then the creative pilot uh, went to the chair and the PC back and uh, started trying to voice his voice like on the 9G. And if you see the guys in the room, you know, trying to emulate like 9G on a, on a desk and, you know, trying to do some voice, that was hilarious to see. Okay. And it didn't be better. Yeah, sure. So, so um, a good idea of the whole system is like if you imagine you're not, it's, it's a single seat aircraft, right? So, and uh, there are some tasks uh, that are for a single pilot in the cockpit at some points uh, difficult to do. If you look, for example, like formation flying at night or in clouds or something, 
uh, and you would have as a wingman flying really concentrated, looking and you know really staring outside, uh, finding the spot and keeping the position. And if you would then have to change radio channels or uh, squawk settings or something, this is for example a nice feature to just talk to the aircraft by pressing one button on your hotas that you have in your hand anyway, and then it dials in the frequency or something. So these are nice features. Uh, same goes for like air combat situations. Obviously, when you look around. Uh, and you can tell the radar, for example, to lock a target or something. Uh, so these are features that are by nature smart and a good idea. Uh, some features that the uh, engineers put in are so complicated, like from the, from the wording and phrasing, uh, that a single button press on a screen or something, because you would have, you, you know, from the task management, the ability to do it would be much faster. So it is... It has been over the years uh, a learning process of where that feature really helps uh, and is necessary. Is it is it something you have to? Is is it like an always active listening? No. Type of thing you have to you have to key it up. It's like the government like isn't, the isn't always listening, Jabbers. No, it's like the radio That's button. What I was going for. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> no, it's uh, it's a, it's a radio button. Basically, you press in and say, and then you're talking to the aircraft. Gotcha. Does anybody ever make a mistake? Where they, they, they push over the radio instead of. Uh... Sure, yeah, <laughs> millions of times. That's, that's what I would do. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, so I mean, again, I mean, it's, it's a learning process of having such a yeah. system and when to use it and how to use it. So, uh, yeah, like every system. What about what about getting the sounds for the jet? Are you guys gonna hopefully record them from the real thing, or do you have plans for that? Um. It's a, I mean, sound tends to be a, a fairly contentious topic, I think. We don't, I don't think we really have any plans to actually record uh, specific sounds specifically for the module right now. But I think the difference with a modern aircraft like the Eurofighter is that there is actually a lot of material that you can source uh, from various people. It can be airshow stuff. It can be, you know, just, just um, kind of government-released uh, footage. And uh, maybe we will get the opportunity to do so as well, either planned or, or impromptu. Again, could be at an air show or something like that, and uh, and kind of go from there. Um, I think something we try to do is we 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 definitely take sound very seriously. Uh, I come from the world of film, where there's a saying that goes, "You can have the most beautiful, you know, every frame is a painting kind of um, you know cinematography, but." If your sound's poor, then it just looks low budget and, and poor. <laughs> so um, sound is something that's constantly on my mind, and we need to do better there, first of all, but we're also going to be investing more there and making sure that the Eurofighter sounds like the real thing, but that it also just kind of makes you immersed and, and makes you feel good. Uh, I don't think we'll go away from our kind of slightly Hollywoodized um, soundscape, especially in cockpits, you know, where you have a little bit more loud switches and these kinds of things and, and a lot of rattles and buffets um, because I, I think that just immerses you and kind of replaces some of the haptic feedback you'd have um, flying the real thing. Um, but, uh, but obviously samples uh, should be from the real thing and we do the same with the F-14. Uh, you know, we've we've heard various things about the fact that there they, it doesn't sound anything like the real thing, but we're we're actually using samples from the real thing. But unfortunately, there the, you know it's it's very difficult to uh, recreate digitally uh, exactly as the real thing sounds. But hopefully, with the amount of material available for the Eurofighter and the fact that it's in active duty and flying and and kind of available, will alleviate that a lot. Cool. 
Um, can we talk about the air-to-air capability and uh, the ever-impending compassion from the community about said missiles? <laughs> about the comet? Yep. What are your plans for, for the meteor? I mean, obviously that's a relatively new missile that probably doesn't have a lot of public data. No, so from our perspective, from like a development perspective, so what we'll be doing is um, taking much the same approach as we did with the AIM-54. Uh, and I don't really mean from an implementation perspective, I mean more from a research one. Uh, so we've actually already performed CFD uh, for both the, the, um, the IRIS-T and the Meteor. And, uh, you know, that's really going to lay the groundwork for all the work that comes after that. Uh, and um, I think something that's going to be very important for us is that we actually open source a lot of our research. Uh, because, again, just like with the AIM-54, I think it's important to have transparency in the process and give people confidence in what it's actually doing in-game. Um, the second part of the equation is, of course, things like guidance and the fact that it's, it's a, they're both going to be quite unique pieces of ordinance in, uh, in DCS. Um, and we are going to be uh, working much more closely with our partners at Eagle Dynamics to actually, um, to, to actually implement them into the game uh, than we did with the AIM-54. Uh, and, uh, and hopefully that way we will avoid any potential pitfalls in terms of, you know, things like desync, I guess, is, is the thing on everybody's mind. But uh, I'm even thinking of things that missiles in DCS can't do right now, which is, for example, turning on and off their engines uh, multiple times. So uh, there's going to be a lot of work there, and it's something that we are going to involve our partners with very, very early on. And... Uh, I think most of it will be based on our open sourced research uh, and kind of what we can do, uh, you know, from our side and, and avoid any any classified pitfalls, so to speak, and uh, and, uh, and that sort of thing. So uh, our ultimate goal really is to, when we release the aircraft with, with the Meteor and the IRST, that everybody in the community is able to say, okay, we've seen the research and, you know, at, at bare minimum, it's reasonable. <laughs> and if we make mistakes in our research, I mean, the, the whole point of, of it is to be kind of like the community peer reviewing it. Uh, I guess that's the kind of point. Um, and, if, and if something's off or something doesn't seem like it's in the bounds of realism, then, then we will take another look. We're not opposed whatsoever to going back and changing a lot of stuff. Uh, and I think that's a mantra we'll keep, especially for these uh, thing, these two Missiles which can be very contentious, <laughs> I think. They have a potential to become very contentious. Uh, and that's something we're quite cognizant of, and then I hope we can avoid as much as we can uh, through, uh, through full transparency. And let me maybe add uh, to that um, credibility, let's say, uh, on that weapon systems. Like I said, with the Eurofighter company, our approach has been also for the weapons uh, to contact the manufacturers for the IRST, that is Deal Defense Company in Germany and MBDA for the Meteor, uh, which is an international consortium. Um, with Deal Defense, we are in a corporation uh, already, and they are um, really actually delivering uh, the releasable data that is open, uh, releasable to public. We got also like blueprints from the missile, missile so that is like from the, from the building aspect, from the modeling, it is, you know, completely the best you can have because it's from the manufacturer. And again, I mean, from the from the flight model data, we even get, you know, the releasable data from them directly. So, I mean, I think it can't be better uh, in this way. And uh, they are very interested, uh, Deal Defense in this case also, uh, interested in having a, 
a really good representation of their missile because they also see the value in you know having such a community and having not a bad image in like uh, the kind of shitty missile represented there uh, so they have a high interest in that it is as close as possible as can be done you know so it's also a bit maybe a newer approach but i think that's a good idea yeah that's that's different that's cool as far as the open source stuff goes, is that just for the flight model, I would assume? I mean, you can't open source so much as ED's implementation, I would imagine. Well, what, what I mean by that is kind of what we did with the AIM-54, where we really just published a white paper on our findings in terms of oh, you know, how it would perform, right? Uh, I gotcha. I, I think we'll go deeper this time. I can't really promise anything right now, but I think these two cases are more complex. Um, but again, this would all be based on kind of our in-house research and not anything we get from other parties. Um, and I think, you know, the reason for that is also that it's, it's something that we have to do anyways, right? So we, we do have to take all this data in that we can, then perform our own research and kind of come up with something that makes sense. So it's a process that's gonna happen anyways. And if the end result the best end result for us internally is actually to produce something like a white paper that we then internally kind of review and kind of criticize and kind of figure out have we made any mistakes. But the byproduct of that is really that we are able to actually release that um, and kind of involve then the broader community into that discussion. Uh, and, and I think that's something that's very cool because it, um, you know, even from the perspective of, of marketing, let's say, right? It, it kind of, I guess, helps us show how deep we're trying to go because I think there are instances where we simulate something very deeply or we think about something very, very deeply, uh, but it's not really seen uh, in the end product. So uh, it's a cool opportunity to also show like how much work we're actually willing to invest and doing to, to actually make sure that this is as realistic as we can because uh, the pill one of the pillars of DCS is realism, realism and we don't, I, I really don't want to undermine that with the Eurofighter in any way um, and especially not with the weapons because they influence other modules. Uh, the other aspect would be the flight model, I guess, uh, that influences other modules and how, how they interact with each other. So uh, very, very important we get that right. Yeah. I was going to ask, like, how many, can you talk about how many weapons does it usually carry for air-to-air -air? and are those going to be like day one when people get the Eurofighter? Are all the weapons for air-to-air -air going to be released for everybody? Yeah, well, um, it, uh, it depends obviously what, uh, what type of air-to-air uh, -air mission you want to fly. But if you're going directly, for example, for BVR stuff, um, you can easily have like four meteors, two Ambrams, two RST on there, or you can mix it uh, to the typical, for example, uh, six by two or stuff like that. So six Ambrams, two RST, and of course, not to forget the uh, the uh, Mauser uh, 27 millimeter gun. And um, basically, um, you can you can choose. You could also use just four uh, RST and your gun if you're just going to a dogfight, or depending on your opponent, of course. And if you just want to train a pure BFM, for example, you can just go um, just by using your gun and two IRSTs. So you can um, mix it as you want, basically. Besides maybe the four fuselage stations, they are reserved for the Meteor and the Emirates. Okay. Because the, uh, the video you guys put out was freaking 
amazing. That was a pretty awesome video, so really liked it. Um, if what you can see in the video, which uh, uh, brought up, is already awesome. And uh, later on, if uh, the community is really doing dogfighting, um, it's not going to be like an overpowered, overturning performance jet. Uh, we will show they, this thing, especially clean, it's a beast and it can maneuver tight as we will present you guys. Good to hear. And then uh, I guess my last question would be like, I know it has super cruise ability. Is that going to be included in the DCS version as well? It has super cruise, uh, depending, of course, on the uh, on the drag index. So, if you if you think about if you're having like uh, the full air to air loadout and two external tanks or even three external tanks, um, it might be just scratching the uh, supersonic. But especially clean, you will be able to fly or do your super cruise for sure. Cool. I think you guys answered a lot of the questions I had just in. I didn't even have to ask them, so that was awesome. <laughs> Is there anything else you guys want to add or tell the community or put out there? Or... You want to throw any throw any timelines in there? Yeah, timelines that I did. I kind of steered away from that because I figured you guys didn't. We can we can definitely do that, but that's my job is to come in <laughs> and, and try to ask that question. No, I mean we we're always. I mean, we don't really shy away from it. It's just it it tends to turn into like a non-answer. That's that's the kind yeah. of thing, but. Um, I, I don't know, like, so I guess one thing to note is that we're doing a lot at Heepler right now, um, mm -hmm. and we're actually in a period right now, and there's a lot happening at TrueGrid, so it's a, it's a very exciting period of time, um, and I say that because, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of stuff going on, uh, that I guess people don't know about, but, um, you know, we, our team has grown bigger than it ever has before. Uh, it's ever been before, and, and we're just kind of pushing ahead on all fronts. However, I mean, the Eurofighter is still early on. Uh, that's just simply the case. Um, so we're not really saying any timelines <laughs> because we'd probably not be even close to, uh, to hitting them. Or, and it can be, you know, we could, we could give some timelines like 2025. So like give ourselves a huge berth or something. But, <laughs> you know, that's not fair either because then it's, it's kind of like the opposite direction or something. So I guess summarizing, uh, sorry, summarizing is just to say it's still early on, um, uh, but uh, we'll basically our main priority will be to keep everybody in the loop and kind of just explain what we're doing and where we are. Uh, and I think as our roadmap gets unveiled and, and everything that we're working on, uh, you know, gets unveiled, then, then it'll also become a little bit more clear where each product kind of slots in because we've got, you know, we've got things which are very, very early, like the A6, uh, which which we kind of announced first because of the way we had done the AI thing and so on. Uh, so it's, it's, it's uh, I understand it's also a little bit confusing for everybody right now, but um, my non-answer <laughs> essentially is that it's early on, but we're just working really hard on it and uh, hoping to get it to you guys as soon as we possibly can. It's a perfect non-answer. That, uh, that is Nick in perfection ice skating. <laughs> since, since you brought it up, can we can we talk about the A6 at all? Sure, absolutely. How I, I know you said it was early on. Um, I know that the initial goal was to make an AI model. Is is that anywhere near 
Uh, yeah, I mean that's approaching uh, approaching completion. We're, we're like on. I would say, if I would categorize our products, I would say the A6 AI is kind of part of the F14, right. uh, together with the Forestall uh, and the early A and a couple of other things. So we are focusing on those things as part of the F14 rather than a part of them, like as as a part of the A6 itself. Um, but I would say the A6 AI is the, the lowest priority in terms of stuff that's missing in the F14. So the highest one I would say is the Forestal right now uh, and things like Jester Lantern and these kinds of things. And then the A6, A6 kind of comes in after that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's very early on. Uh, we are, we're kind of like still finding our feet with that project. We've got other things that plan to come out before that. Um, but, you know, we did announce it because was kind of like we were quiet for a very long time uh and it was known we're doing the ai one anyways and and uh it was a good opportunity to show it off in, in the wonderful trailer ed did for their new clouds and so on so uh it was kind of cool just to be able to say like yeah it's coming we're doing it yeah. <laughs> um and uh you know it's an exciting period of time for us we're, like we're enthusiasts as well like we like you really have to bite your tongue to kind of not tell everybody what you're working on at a given moment. <laughs> and the A6 was our outlet a little bit. <laughs> so it's, it's going to be one of the earliest announcements we've ever done uh, in that respect. Was, was, did you guys always know you were going to make that, even when you were talking about doing the AI stuff? E kind of, I guess. Yeah. I mean, everything is also based on whether we have a license agreement with our partners at ED, uh, these kinds of things. And we... Uh, you know, we genuinely, genuinely try to respect uh, respect them in the sense that we don't, you know, before we sign something and before something's set in stone, we don't even hint at something actually being uh, a flyable module because I think uh, it's just unfair as partners and these kinds of things. So, so you know, we, we it's, it's a bit, I guess it's frustrating for people sometimes that we're so coy or so kind of secretive or something, but it's also about... You know, just as when we say something, we mean it essentially, right? So, so if we're we're gonna do something, we're actually gonna do it. Um, I like that approach more. To be honest, we much prefer showing off stuff early before it's finished or close to before it's finished. But uh, like Nick just said, you know, I mean, the A6 with people figuring it out anyway, and then you just don't want to take people for stupid or, you know, play their noses with that kind of stuff and. Then also with True Grid, you know, that merger, uh, that, that uh, partnership, you know, and uh, the announcement just had to be also at a time to alleviate the, the time where there was no communication about the Eurofauter. So both announcements are exceptionally early for what we would normally go for, right? So that's something we, we kindly ask the community to understand. And of course, there's other things that are in the pipeline and those will be announced as we would usually do and then... Uh, people will see what's all cooking in the house of Hitler in the background. Sweet. Thanks for sharing. Well, cool. Uh, if we don't have anything else, I'm going to wrap it up there. Anybody? No? Going once? No, I just would like to invite the community to not see the Eurofighter as a, something contagious, especially the PvP community, I would say. You know, I mean, embrace the fact that it's going to bring a new challenge uh, to the game. That's definitely for sure. But uh, also let's embrace the fact that DCS is in fact a sandbox where we aim for realistic modules and these can be used however people see fit. And, you know, if the meteor in some scenario is too much, then you always have the possibility to remove it from that match uh, or uh, to put it specifically there because it brings that beautiful challenge for a long-range shot you want to 
emphasize in that event and so on and so forth. So I'd really like to invite everybody, you know, to embrace the fact that the Eurofighter is going to bring a beautiful challenge to the game and a really nice new approach to BVR and shine a new light from a different point of view on the whole scene of PvP and uh, just uh, realistic BVR simulation or whatever people do in DCS with it. I look forward to it. Kind of like the F-14 when it came in. Awesome. Well, I want to thank you guys all again for showing up uh, and taking the time out of your day to have this interview with us. We, I really enjoyed it and I uh, look forward to doing another one when it gets closer, uh, both about, I, I mean, about anything you guys have. So um, keep me posted and we'll do it again. Thanks sure. so much. Hey, appreciate thank you it. very much. It was awesome. Thank you so yeah. much for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Wonderful. Thanks, gentlemen. Thank you, guys. Anytime again. Thanks again, and uh, have a great day and night, everyone. Yes, agreed. Thanks, guys. Bye. See you again. Bye. Thanks for listening to Air Combat Sim. Don't forget to subscribe or tell a friend about it. You have a question, idea for an episode, or a special guest you'd like us to invite? Feel free to reach out on Facebook, Discord, or via email. Air Combat Sim was brought to you by BVR Productions.